Hello, good morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening, <laughs> and welcome to the penultimate episode of season one of Hot Girls and the final in the series of Hot Girl Histories. Next week, we speak to Selena, the founder of label and creative platform Luna Legacy, and then we will be taking a break through July just to prep for season two, which has some incredible conversations about creativity and how to make it in the competitive world of music. So I'm really excited for that one, but yeah, we're going to take July off just so I can get a bit more rest. Um, to finish up this week, I wanted to bring it close to home and actually take a look at one of the only female MCs to have sat at the top of the UK charts. It sounds like an exaggerated statement because there have been many who could have been there, but it isn't. And that woman is Miss Dynamite and her voice was one of the defining sounds of early millennium music. She's this brilliant blend of like grime dubby sounding beats with really smart lyrics and has been the winner of a Mercury Music Prize, Mobile Awards and Brit Awards as well. People may not know that she's also the older sister to Akala. Akala also started his career as a rapper but went on to write the novel Natives which is a fascinating book which basically challenges the British squeamishness about its class and race, race issues, confronting them and kind of exposing in really detailed history like how we've come to the place we are today. So recommend the read. But I was interested to know what background and education Miss Dynamite had had, particularly knowing that these two very successful individuals grew up together. What lessons on success did they learn which we can listen to and learn from? So, Miss Dynamite, let's go. Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex of the Deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. On the 26th of April, 1981, Naomi Arlene McLean Daly, McLean, Scottish, was born to a white Scottish mother and a Jamaican father. Naomi was her mum's first child of 12 and she was born into very much the limited means of a single parent working class family in uh, North London, so in, in Kentish Town. Her mum actually had, I think, 17 children. Like, depending on which source you read, it changes a little bit. But five of them didn't survive. Her father wasn't particularly present. And as the oldest child, Naomi took on a lot of the responsibility of care and babysitting from when she was about eight, uh, while her mum went to work. Akala actually talks a bit about their working class upbringing in his book Natives, talking about sitting in the dark and the freezing cold when they didn't have enough money. And Naomi has said before, you know, that it was like toast for supper. Um, so, I mean, a single working class mum with that many children to feed, it must have been pretty tough. Every year, they would write and perform plays in honour of their Scottish mother's birthday, which I think lots of children did, right? You, you think you your parents want to see you perform. Um, but then as well as that, three or four times a week, they'd go to the Hackney Empire um, and their stepdad, Tony Gully, was a stage manager there. So they had that introduction to stage and performance through him. When she was just 12, her mum was diagnosed with cancer and she became the primary support and caregiver for her mum and also for the children. When she was going through cancer, Naomi, Miss Dynamite, the same person, and her were really close and she was a really big support. But after she recovered, so after her mum recovered, I think that back and forth between the roles of being child and parent caused real tension between them. And it got so bad that at 15, she moved out and was living in a hostel. She did stay in school though, and she wanted to go to university and become a teacher. So she carried on her education and her commitment to that, but just didn't live at home. 
And this desire to be educated is, I think, the primary reason that her and Akala have both done so well. He has more of a public voice. So when understanding her, it's been helpful to be able to look into what he said. And he mentioned this in a talk at Oxford University. That for me, my passion for learning world history came from Pan-African Saturday School. So as a young Afro-Caribbean child growing up, if I had swallowed the Eurocentric curriculum that told me black people's only role in the human story was, first of all, as being slaves, then getting set free by William Wilberforce, and then the civil rights movement in America, I probably wouldn't have had very much pride in my own identity. Luckily, I didn't swallow that curriculum because I went to a separate Saturday school that Caribbean people set up in the 1970s. There was a big movement in the 70s where Caribbeans set up Saturday schools to A, teach black history, but also to teach maths and science and to improve on what they felt was a racist curriculum, but also the way their children were being dealt with in the schools. I was a lucky recipient of some of that knowledge and it meant that I didn't feel inferior to what I was being taught. So I could engage with Shakespeare or Newton or Plato because I didn't feel intimidated by that because I didn't feel that people like me had never contributed anything to human progress. So I don't know um, whether Miss Dynamite did as well go to that school, but I think it's highly likely that she did and no doubt would have benefited from the things that he was learning there and the conversations they were then having in their home. Because Miss Dynamite had a really had a real strong love of music, and I think growing up surrounded by Caribbean culture, music is so much part of their everyday life. So she would write and perform on the side of her studies, safe in the knowledge, I think, at that point, that she wasn't really good enough to get anywhere with it. So she could just do it for fun. But then, as it turned out, she actually was pretty good. And the day she was due to start university, she landed a recording contract. I started emceeing on a local underground station when I was about 17, 18. Got really popular. That was it. I signed a deal and it's all history, as they say. <laughs> She'd started emceeing on London radio stations, in particular one called Raw FM, which I guess was a bit like Rinse FM. The track she got picked up on was a garage track called Boo. And she was then discovered by DJ and went on to be signed uh, to Bigger Beats, which was a label under Polydor Records. Once she joined them, she was introduced to a producer called Salam Remy. And together they cultivated that sound that she is so known for. After being signed, obviously her university plans had to change, so she started working immediately on her debut album. That album was called A Little Deeper, and it was by far her most successful album. She really had that steep jump to mainstream success. The album was released in 2002, and it featured the tracks It Takes More and her most famous track, Dynamite. It Takes More. I don't know if you guys have heard it in a while, but the lyrics really speak to me as a woman. I think it's, I wish I'd been that wise with boys at 21. But Carla said of his sister at this time, my sister was worshipped in a way I can't tell you. When we went to Brixton or Tottenham, they wouldn't let her pay for anything. And although no one said it out loud, we all knew it was because she was representing a side of intellectual black culture that is never usually acknowledged. So Carla at this point was observing his sister's success and learning and learning about it and what it said about the expectations of his race. Beautiful, talented, outspoken. Her lyrics to this album spoke against gun crime, domestic violence, poverty, and the Iraq war. So it wasn't just boys and heartbreak. In 2002, Miss Dynamite raked in the awards. She won the Mercury Music Prize. She beat off Ashanti, Alicia Keys, The Streets, and Daniel Bedingfield. Let that just sit as a, as a moment in musical history to scoop Best Newcomer at the Mobos. And she also picked up two Brit Awards. 
to say thank you to my record label, to my management, to my brothers and sisters. And I really do want to big up So Solid because you know what? No matter about nothing, they gave me so much confidence and so much support in the beginning when people didn't even know who Miss Dynamite was. You get me? I have to really big them up. Thank you, everybody, again. Thank you. One thing I think is really interesting about Naomi's character is her confidence, or I guess almost lack of. When she'd had this huge success, she could pretend she had confidence, but in truth, she didn't think she was that good. I think she was self-conscious of her singing voice, feeling like it didn't match up to the women she looked up to, like a Mary J. Blige or a Lauren Hill. Um, but I think to be a successful artist, it's not... It's much more important to have a recognisable voice than it is to have necessarily a really strong voice. She said in an interview, on the surface, sure, I had all this confidence, all this character, but when I went home at night, I just felt completely unworthy. I had no self-belief. As an artist, a singer, nothing. It was all so strange. During this period of her life, she was dating her bodyguard and she fell pregnant. So she then gave birth to their son in 2003, a year after releasing her album. The couple broke up a few years later and Naomi paid apparently £290,000 for a three-bedroom uh, former council house next door to her mum's in North London. So she didn't have grand visions of like moving out and obviously her relationship with her mum was very important to her. So safe to say she's quite a home bird. After giving birth to her son, her priorities changed a lot. And I think she struggled to get the time and motivation so much to work in such a dedicated way to music. A follow-up album did come and it came three years later in 2005. It's called Judgment Days and it was it was politically savvy and like opinionated, but it did okay, but it didn't do great. The lead single only got to number 25 in the UK and they weren't anything like as known or as celebrated as her earlier stuff. They probably got there because of, in some way, because of the work done by her earlier music. Unfortunately for us and for radios, I don't feel like her confidence and maybe her joy as well was enough to carry her through this. And she said that after this didn't do so well, she knew she needed to break from music and just focus on her son and being a mum. Miss Dynamite has had success since then. Obviously, you guys will have heard of her um, as a rapper, but mainly as a feature artist. So she did the song While Out with DJ Zinc, which reminds me so much of house parties before I was old enough to get into clubs. She also had a wicked verse on KTP's single Lights On, which went to number four in 2010, both London girls. She was having fun with dance and underground music, and that's really what she's come to be known as like for most of her music career. Never Soft with Labyrinth was released in 2011 and at this time she was working on another album but then never actually released anything um, again around 2016-17 she was doing press rounds I read in an interview her talking about her confidence and saying I'd be on stage in some club looking out into a crowd of kids and a voice in my ear would say you idiot you're too old for this what do you think you're doing grandma and I don't think it's that she took it too seriously but I think when you're constantly hearing that kind of stuff, it's obviously going to have a bit of an impact. And you're going to be like, do I really want this? Do I really want this? these kind of experiences to be my daily life? And if you had the success that she did at 21 and then got, and then went a bit quiet, I think you would come to question the mainstream and whether you really needed to be a part of that anymore. When you've got your family and you've got the freedom that comes with privacy, that might become more attractive. But still, ageism, I mean, it's just the dumbest thing. Honestly, I've done 
So many things, um, and you know, when all of that was happening, which was you know quite some time ago, it was such a whirlwind. There was so much for me to take in, and I, you know, I was totally overwhelmed. I appreciated every you know step of it, but I was a lot younger, and I was really like just whisked off of my feet into this sort of this crazy whirlwind. Yeah. You kind of get the feeling, or I definitely get the feeling, that Ms. Dynamite is a real thinker and someone who enjoys being in the studio more than being on the stage. I do think the contrast in her and Akala's careers maybe shows the benefits of a slower journey to fame and the spotlight. She has worked with Major Lazer, DJ Fresh and Bungie Garland as well over the past few years. I have strong opinions, definitely, but I also am very aware of of the vibration of, you know, the way we speak and the things we give our focus and our energy to, it's, it's, that's important to me. So I always want that to be, you know, what I'm giving my my opinions or my attention to, to be of the highest vibration and of the highest quality. In 2018, age 37, she was awarded an MBE by Buckingham Palace for her services to music. And her outfit to pick it up was amazing. Wearing a white skirt suit and matching heels with a monochrome scarf in her hair. She spoke really interestingly about her mixed feelings getting that, what is known to be or what is generally generally believed to be an honour. Um, an MBE is so attached to the empire and colonisation and a society that hasn't celebrated the different cultures which built it. She said she accepted the award in the honour of her grandparents, but she had to do a lot of thinking about it and whether that was the right way to honour them. Miss Dynamite is still making music. A song was released this year by drum and bass producer Clips, who uh, used to be known as Red Light, featuring her, Miss Banks and JK. I love Miss Banks and JK as well. So I was like, sweet, this is going to be sick. Um, I'm not a fan. But I mean, listen to it and disagree. I like Jungle. Um, I just found it a bit meh. I just didn't really rate the beat, to be honest. But I mean, it's still cool that they all jumped on a song together. I just wish it was a different song. I did, um, however, and absolutely do rate the contribution Naomi has given to music. Bringing brilliant, smart lyricism to garage, to dance, to reggae even. She is one of the only female rap artists to get to the level she did in terms of popularity. And that makes her very significant and iconic. Akala, I imagine, is making her very proud at the moment as he continues to be one of the most researched and considered voices on colonialism, racial oppression and the total whitewashing of history in this country. I think everyone should just take the time to listen to him. I'm going to finish this episode with some wisdom and a verse from Miss Dynamite that really is the perfect way to end this whole season. She talks about the way she appreciates women in every single form that they come in and in every single personality type that they are. It's about a love and respect of all women. And she says it better than I could. So thank you for listening and enjoy this. It's about women. It's about every kind of woman. For me, I think I wrote it at a stage where I really realised that everything is within me. You know, my strength, my weakness, like basically that I'm my own worst enemy and that usually we, we always are, you know, that I have the power to succeed and do the things that I, that I want. It's kind of coming, like coming to that realisation and also that as people, woman, man or otherwise, that we have lots of different sides to our personality 
Um, a lot of the time, you know, those sides kind of contradict each other. But for me, I found strength, you know, true strength in accepting and appreciating all the different sides of myself. This one's for my sisters, sisters. This comes from the heart, from the little girls in the park to baby mamas working hard, misunderstood queens working after dark, those exposing their titties and arse so that their records chart. Miss five jobs, head full of problems, trying to teach her young boys how to be strong men. Miss big mouth, chuck shit, backstabbing liar. Miss mix up, witness every time I shut a fire. Miss little miss, hand on her hip, think she grown. Listen, your big sis, and left them big man alone. Miss going places, head always in the books. Miss insecure, so much sure about the way she looks. Miss I ain't having it, so all the brothers stay clear. Miss 26 and still pressured by her peers. Miss greed, miss achieve, miss believe, miss succeed. Whatever you're missing, miss, you are all you need. Miss sky high, sky high, off the high joe. Miss black eye, struggling to let that fussy go. Miss Einstein, gonna make a great scientist. Miss executive, own her own chain of businesses. Miss bad gal, rough neck and don't give up. Baby girl, I beg you, please not make them beasts lock you up. Miss bad mind, hating on everybody else. She's struggling inside to find the strength to love herself. Miss good girl, one man, loyal to the core. Miss love what? But she never let them hit it raw to the honeys and the mummies cracked out, can't get up. Incarcerated, Holloway, keep your head up. Miss straight, Miss gay, Miss go both ways. Miss I am what I am, don't give a damn what they say. Misunderstood, misguided, misled, mislead. Whatever you're missing, miss, you are all you need. What up, Lex? Eyes on the prize, if no surprise, good women were destined to rise. Yeah. Inspiring, celebrating, uplifting the new generation. Some hot girls, you know the vibe. Yeah. All the hot girls come alive. All the hot girls, you know the vibe. All the hot girls come alive. Yeah.